Just Interesting People podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now today we are talking to Rich, who is Paperboyo on Instagram. We are so excited to talk to him. I'm going to pass over to Jeremy, he's going to introduce him properly. But we really hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for being here. Um, yeah, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rosie. Thank you so much uh, for being with us today, Rich. Uh, I feel like your name is Paperboyo, uh, <laughs> in a sense. I'm, naturally, that's what's comes in my head I'll <laughs> <laughs> answer to paper boyo or rich or that guy who does stuff with paper <laughs> yeah. Um, no yeah I've been following you for a while I can't say how long but uh, for a few years for sure on Instagram I've always enjoyed your work uh, it's so different than most people do um, on a platform with photography obviously so yeah i'm big fan and so happy about it <laughs> so happy that you're here today oh, oh, i'm very happy to be here no it's nice to uh nice to start the new year with a, a good conversation like this so uh, yeah happy I to feel be like here. a fun boy like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did an episode this year well last year sorry 2020 and i was like fangirling the whole time and i feel like jeremy's gonna be yeah. saying this time she's like oh my god <laughs> It's, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good for my ego. <laughs> <laughs> is it weird for you having like that many followers on Instagram and having people like react to me like, oh my God, you're that person that I've been following for years. Like, is that weird? There's kind of a nice sort of, because I don't really show my face so much, it, yeah. there's a nice sort of um, like, there's a, I don't know what the right word for it. It's like sort of blanket, if you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. I, there isn't like, I, I very rarely get recognized out and about unless i'm holding up a bit of paper and i have my camera then occasionally i'll get someone who comes up and they'll never like yeah they'll never quite be like are you that are you paper boy they'll be like are you that guy who does stuff on instagram (laughs) you know it's very rare that they'll ever actually like nail my username but yes that's kind of nice that there's that sort of um uh uh, and on this i can't speak properly anonymity whatever that word is (laughs) We, neither of us can say it apparently. I think I yeah, I think I'm still drunk from Christmas and New Year. Yeah, that, that word, that word. Um, so that's quite nice. And then yeah, no, when people do re- like recognize me or they find out who I am, like if someone introduces me at a party or something, then it's yeah, it's really nice when people. It's nice to see a real life reaction to my photos. Obviously, Instagram's great and brilliant and all of that, but you don't get to see someone's real reaction to one of your photos or one of your animations. So when I see someone showing someone else in front of me. I love that because the reaction is, it it tends to go one of two ways. One way is that you you get the kind of like, oh, that's cool. That's clever. And then the other way is just, they just don't get it at all. And they're sort of like (laughs) squinting and they're sort of politely going, oh, and and you can just tell they don't get it. And I I quite like that. I quite like seeing both both, uh, reactions. That would definitely be my dad. That would be my dad, I think. Yeah. I'll have to check this summer when we go back. I'll try it. It's French, but I mean, you'll get the French like, music was there. Yeah. I was, um, when I, when I first showed my grandmother photos, I was a bit like, I really thought she wouldn't get it, but she got it straight away. And I was absolutely chuffed when, (laughs) when she saw it. Because obviously, I couldn't really show her my stuff on Instagram because it's kind of like too small for her to see. She hasn't got the best eyesight. But when I when my book came out and I showed her my book, she yeah, like because of bigger photos, she totally got it. So I was chuffed to bits when uh, (laughs) when she enjoyed the photos or at least pretended to enjoy the photos (laughs) that must have been such a proud moment for both of you like you being proud like showing her and also I guess you know she must have been proud of you as well for publishing a book and for doing so well with it 
Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That was one of the, um, you know, people ask me like, what's, you know, what's some of your highlights and best moments from it? And most of them are just little, like little personal moments like that. Obviously, traveling the world and meeting various people is incredible and all that. But to be able to, um, yeah, like show my grandma some of what I do and then for her to sort of get it and, and like it. And uh, I think because of her, I basically sold a bunch of books to other people in the care home she's in as well. So oh. I sort of owe her some PR stuff as well. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can sell them print. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You yeah. can decorate the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> the whole care home covered in my yeah. photos, yeah. <laughs> so let's start with how did this happen? How did, this, how did you come up with this idea? How, where did it start? Talk to us about that a little bit. So it's... um. It's a bit of a long story and there's a few different tangents to it. So it started off when I was when I was about 2021 20, I got into paper craft and paper art and I got really interested in various artists who were just making things out of cardboard and paper. And I loved that because it wasn't they didn't have any expensive canvases or paints or any equipment that wasn't attainable. It was all just, you know, stuff that you probably have around the house already, you know, bits of cardboard and paper and all that. And the things that these artists were making with it just really like impressed me and blew me away. And I sort of started making them in my in my spare time, making little sculptures and sets. And I had a friend who was in a band at the time, so I would make little music videos for his band with like, you know, these paper characters and cardboard sets and I'd like them in a certain way and it was just kind of like an, an evening and a weekend hobby and then um, at some point and I think it must have been around three or four years into Instagram having come out because by now this was like 20 yeah it was about 2015 when I started to get into photography and I no 2014 when I picked up the camera and started walking around London just like taking photos of London and that was that was like an excuse to just go and see parts of London that I hadn't seen before because having lived there for a little while I, I realized I hadn't ever really explored London properly and in the process of that I got interested in photography and I put my photos on Instagram and I sort of realized that my photos were like everyone else's photos of London everyone takes a photo of Big Ben everyone takes a photo of London Eye and I just thought what can I do that's a little bit different what what hasn't been done and I was like I was aware that I wasn't a good photographer. I didn't know I didn't have much technique or fancy equipment and I didn't really know how to take like amazing photos that I'd seen other photographers do. And I'd heard a saying that was something along the lines of um you've either got to be the best or you've got to be different. And so I went down the different route and I was like, right, what can I do that someone hasn't done before? And that's when I started leaning on my like paper craft stuff that I'd learned. And so I used to, um, I, I tried out a few different iterations of what I did. I used to sketch out London landmarks, then hold up the sketch of them in front of the landmark. And I liked that, but it was covering up the landmark that I was, you know, there to celebrate, there to photograph. Mm. And that eventually led me on to using uh, black bits of paper to sort of embellish and transform landmarks. And I did the first one with Big Ben. I was on Westminster Bridge and it was a really windy day and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I sort of stood there with a bit of paper and it was flapping away in the wind and I was like taking hundreds of photos to try and get it in the right place. And I, eventually I got the shot and I was looking at it and uh, there was a, a father and his daughter who had noticed what I was doing and they came over and said, uh, oh, can we see the photo you were taking? It looks like you know, you're doing something interesting. And I showed them on the back of my camera the, the, the photo I'd taken and I, they just both looked at me like really, they gave me a smile and it was just like, oh, that's really cool. And just like in that little moment, it gave me a bit of encouragement and a bit of confidence 
in what I was doing because I, I was honestly I felt like a fool just standing there taking you know had this you know <laughs> flapping wind and all that and not really knowing what I was doing but yeah the the reaction um, I mean I probably owe them my career because because of the reaction it, it made me go off and do some more photos like that and so yeah that was middle of 2015 when I did that Big Ben one and then I left my job in 20 autumn 2016 so I quite quickly took off um you know for something that was just meant to be a, a silly little hobby it yeah. seemed to strike a chord at the time I think this was also you've got to remember around 2015 it was a time of everyone was doing selfies and I think Instagram had just you know it started to get well, it'd been big for a while but it was starting to get crowded with selfie photos and and that sort of thing and I think one of the reasons why my stuff stood out is that it was like the anti-selfie sort of thing it was doing something a bit creative and a bit mm. different and uh yeah so i think that's why it stood out at the time and and why my my audience kind of grew quite quickly in that first year especially yeah how what was the process of quitting your job because you were working for the bbc right i've, I've read yes yeah that's right i it was you know, a lot of people say, like, was it scary making that jump or anything? But it never really felt like a jump. It, for me, it felt more like a slide because, as I say, I'd been spent. It was like an evenings and weekends hobby. Mm. And then I was using my holiday time to go off to, you know, I was getting invited by tourism boards to go to Hong Kong and Singapore. Mm. And I think eventually it got to the point when I just had no holiday time left. Um and by sorry i should say vacation time for american listeners <laughs> um uh but yeah i had no time you know left and then i i just i just had a conversation with my uh, my boss and she was like oh we well we could give you like a two or three month sabbatical and i was going to do that but then i had more and more projects lined up and i just i really wanted the opportunity to give my photography like a hundred percent to you know absolutely dedicate myself to it and if if it failed and it didn't work out then I'll be okay with that because I knew that I'd given it like a hundred percent of my attention and uh unless I quit my job I just didn't really feel like I had the opportunity to do that so mm. yeah I left but I made sure I left on good terms in case I needed, <laughs> yeah. needed to come back begging for my job so, so that that is the tip that I give anyone if they say you know how do you how do you leave your job to pursue a hobby it's like well leave but leave on very very good terms <laughs> yeah so I've got to ask, how do you come up with these ideas? You must see the world in a completely different way than everyone <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, what's going like, on in your see, brain? <laughs> you see a building and then you see a tap or you see a trumpet or like somebody playing accordion. Like there's like the Dalmatian, I saw that today as well. Like that's incredible. Like I saw a building and you see a Dalmatian. Like how oh, does your brain work <laughs> in the nicest I possible way? <laughs> I think it's kind of like you, I feel like I've trained my brain in a, in a way to think in a certain way. And also, what you don't see on Instagram is the hours and hours of, you know, thought and mistakes and, like, bad ideas that I've had, you know. Because basically what I would do, my, my sort of process, so to speak, would be before I travel somewhere, I'd find as many photos as I can of a location. So, for example, let's say I'm coming to Miami. Before I go, I would just spend hours researching photos of Miami, architecture in Miami, um, I'd even sometimes go down Google Street View and, you know, just look for things that stand out. I'd basically get a canvas of all these buildings or vantage points and then I'll doodle on them here at home and I'll just sort of see what ideas might work and I'll try and get 10 or so ideas together and then I'll, I'll make the paper cutouts here so I'll design them here before I leave and then I'll go to Miami and I'll shoot them and normally 
I'd say just over half of the ideas do work. And then there's normally, yeah, out of 10 ideas, I'd expect about four or so not to work or not work as well as I thought they would. But then I'd also get ideas on the spot as well, which, you know, for places that I hadn't seen. So, yeah, there's all of those things. Um, but in terms of how actually, yeah, I, I get asked, how do you come up with ideas? And it's... <laughs> I, I think it is just sort of being playful, letting yourself be playful, letting yourself make some mistakes. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm <laughs> I, I'm not being coy or anything. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, I think it's also, you know, now I've been doing this for, what, five, close to six years. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's just a certain way. I think a lot of photographers would agree. There's a, you start to develop your style and you start to develop your your eye, so to speak. And so, um, yeah, I think I've just sort of got myself in that mindset now. Of, mm. it's, it's not necessarily that I'm even thinking. It's just sort of I'm letting my brain go off in all these different directions. And eventually, there's normally an idea it will bring back. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting what you were saying about your, your process um, in a sense that when you do it just for yourself, just you go somewhere and you... Like you said, you come to Miami, you want to take a few pictures. Uh, you have 10 IDs and a few are going to be working. The other one, no. You have no pressure. It's, it's just for you. It's, it's like playtime. But when like someone pays you to travel around the world uh, to photograph whatever it is, uh, and you've never been to this location before, there's much more pressure in this way. Like Because you... You have to get at least a shot. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Like that—that's that, a whole different thing. Like, did you have before to like go to a place and just create everything like there because you had no idea actually what to expect? Yeah, absolutely. So one of my first projects was going to uh, was in Hong Kong, with the Hong Kong Tourism Board, and the way I approached that was that I I did a bit of research before I went, but um. I, I I didn't make any cutouts before I went. I just sort of took my black card and um, craft tools, you know, like my scalpel knife and metal ruler and all those little bits, took them with me. And then what I did when I got to Hong Kong was I'd spend the sort of the first two days walking around getting ideas. And then I spent two and a half days just in my hotel room cutting out the uh, uh, cutting out the designs. And that left me with about a day and a half to then run around the city and actually get the photos. And so... I didn't have a great time because I was just I didn't approach that properly because I I spent most of it in the hotel room, and so when I came back from that, that was when I was like, okay, I need a new approach. So then I I do all of my research beforehand now because before that, most of my photos were just in London, so I could, you know, because I live in London, I could just go out, you know, do a bit of a recce, go home, make the stuff, and then go out again and shoot it. Uh, so yeah. Um, so yeah, after that Hong Kong trip, that was, that sort of trained me to be like, okay, yeah, come at come at this with a slightly more um, yeah, organised approach. Yeah. yeah, but the, this interesting point about it does change when it when it's just for yourself and you're just being playful. It's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to go out and do a full day shoot and then not and then come back and not really have anything to show for it. Like it's a you know it's a shame, but there's there's no pressure. And it yeah. It does change when you start working for clients, or, and especially if you quit your job and you're you're leaning fully on your photography. And it, it takes away a little bit of the. Um, it's not as personal because yeah, you're sort of aware that someone else has got to sign this off. Someone else has got to have their opinion 
in this and even yeah so that's that was a that was a tricky transition bit going from yeah doing it just for yourself just for your instagram and then having to um put it in front of clients and having to you know have their opinion have you know take on board their opinion and uh, their feedback as well but i think uh if you love it though then you're just you're persistent you're you'll carry on and you're you know you'll come up with more ideas if you need to and i think there's been so many little challenges along the way of um when it was just you know just for fun it was fine but when it became a job yeah there's a lot of um challenges and obstacles and other people's opinions and all those sort of things and then if if i didn't love this as much as i do i'm not sure i'd still be doing it because there's been times when it's been well as i was saying just before um, we started recording you know there's been times when it's been quite stressful and it's been felt like a lot to take on but yeah um and this again going back to when people ask me like you know would you quit your job to pursue a hobby and a passion and i would say yeah absolutely but make sure you absolutely love what that passion and that hobby is because as soon as there will be challenges ahead and as soon as you start facing them the only thing that's really going to get you through it is just absolutely really enjoying what you do and it'll it'll mean working weekends and bank holidays and stuff like that but um yeah if you've got that love for it you'll persevere with it yeah no, that that's true for any any people doing entrepreneurship like you can relate to that that when it's just for fun you just have to take the pictures, edit them, no pressure. But when you become self-employed, when it's a job, you have so much other things. And the the fun part is just, what, 10%, 20%? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes. It's, it's Sometimes like I can feel that small. Paperwork, yeah. taxes, PR, marketing, like everything else. Like the, the, the actual fun is just... <laughs> hey, let's make sure you love it. Yeah. So before this podcast episode, I did a bit of research. Jamie sent me an article and I saw that you worked with Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. How did that, how, <laughs> to link this question to another one I had, like how, how did you end up uh, switching from a hobby to getting paid for that? One minute, one minute. I want to know about I mean, Will Smith okay, first. first. <laughs> I'll, okay, yeah, I'll do the Will, I'll do the Will Smith one first. Um, so the Will Smith one came out of the blue, really, and it was one, of, it was one of those emails that you get where you're like, you're not really sure if it's spam or, or not. Um, yeah, but the email came from Paramount. Was it Paramount? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Paramount, the uh, film company. Yeah, and they said to me. Um, they didn't mention Will Smith's name. They just called him Talent. They said to me something like, if you had 10 minutes with Talent, what would you do? What ideas would you come up with? And they told me the film, but I, I didn't, like, I, I sort of guessed that it might have been Will Smith. But anyway, I, I did a bit of, you know, I just sort of put down a few ideas, some basic ideas, sent them off, not really thinking it was going to happen. And then they came back and uh, said... Yeah, we'd love to make this happen. Um, we're gonna we're gonna fly you to Budapest, and you'll have ten minutes with Will Smith. And you know, this was all like two weeks away. So then I was like, okay, wow, this is actually gonna happen. So then I started like really like trying to finesse the idea and trying to, and I wanted to do something that was a bit ambitious, you know, a bit uh, more ambitious than what I normally do. So I did an animation with him. Mm. But yeah, uh, it was great. It was awesome fun. It was just all a bit surreal and a bit bizarre. And <laughs> I like the. The anxiety I had on that day was 
huge but um you know because you only get 10 minutes and you don't want to mess it up you can't mess up (laughs) and he he was lovely like he is just how you'd think he would be but he was so chatty at one point i had to say to him look i'm really sorry will um can we just get on (laughs) (laughs) yeah no but um yeah no that was that was that was really good fun and um paramount were really happy and uh, i got to meet some of his social media team because obviously will's like incredible on across yeah. all social media channels yeah. we were and, talking um, about tiktok you won't i mean <laughs> yeah yeah God's and it. you won't be surprised to hear he's got a bit of a team behind him that helps him with all that obviously so it was it was really cool to meet them and uh, and chat to them as well but yeah no that was definitely talking of highlights um yeah that was another highlight but i mean i can't really remember much about the day because it just sort of <laughs> blurred by it's just yeah like it was his passion like oh my god what just happened like <laughs> yeah, basically <laughs> basically <laughs> but yeah that and was great also, fun and you also worked with star wars i believe yeah i've done a few bits with disney they've been they've been really great so yeah i've done a few bits for star wars so uh, the coolest thing i did for star wars was that uh, i went up to the what was the seven star hotel in dubai the burj al arab i right? uh, the so-called seven star hotel in dubai yeah and they've got the helicopter pad on the top and um, I'd seen that because they've done a few PR stunts up there. And I think I saw Federer and I want to say Agassi. Can't, don't quote me on that. But they played a tennis game up there like as, as a PR stunt. And so I had this idea of having the Millennium Falcon landing on the helicopter pad. Obviously making the Millennium Falcon out of paper as a paper cutout. And I pitched it to Disney and they were like, yeah, we love it. But there's no way you'll get permission to do it. So I was like, well, you know, let me try at least. So I emailed Jamira, who owned the hotel, and the marketing manager happened to follow me on Instagram. And so she was like, yeah, we'd love to have you here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like uh, a few weeks later, me and the Disney marketing manager were on the top of the Burj Al Arab taking these photos. So that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> it's insane that something that like turned out as merging two hobbies has taken you around the world working with the biggest companies meeting the biggest stars like just doing these incredible things i bet you couldn't imagine yeah. that, that like no not at all not at all and i mean as, as glamorous as some of it is and does sound there's still you know plenty of um you know moments of me sitting here sweating trying to come up with an idea and <laughs> trying to you know i've only got two hours or so to get an airplane and I still haven't made all my cutouts and stuff like that so there's a lot of moments where it's uh, definitely not glamorous but yeah I, I certainly wouldn't have ever expected a little dorky hobby to, to turn into what it has turned into so yeah I'm incredibly lucky to be able to do it and also just very lucky that I've still been able to um, sustain it during these you know lockdowns over the last year or so um, I've pivoted a little bit I've done you know stuff at home and a lot more stuff in the UK and around London but yeah, no, I'm so so grateful that it's something I've been able to keep on doing. Again, though, I think that comes back to if you love it, you'll find a way to sustain it and make it work. You've been super creative, yeah, since the beginning of the pandemic, like doing more like videos. You've done a lot of behind the scene as well, which I love. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there's always a um, thank you for that. I think there's always like a I'm always interested in seeing other people's behind the scenes. You know, people like Zach King and Kevin Parry and. Um, you know, Carl Carl Huber, who does um, a sense of humor on Instagram, these are brilliant creators, and I love it when they show a bit of behind the scenes and how they shot their stuff and how they edited some of it. You know, not giving away all of the secrets, but just giving you an insight into it. So that's something I want to try and do a bit more of. Obviously, like when you're just doing it on your own, 
it's hard to then yeah. find a way to sort of shoot yourself. So there was one <laughs> yeah. that I did um, just before Christmas where it was a it was like a Santa sleigh photo, and getting that shot was actually fine. It was getting the behind the scenes shot that took more time because I had a I had a, like a camera on a tripod and a self timer, and I put it on a pavement. But people kept walking in front of it, so I was like, and my back was to it, so I couldn't tell when people were in front of it. So, like, just the outtakes of trying to get the behind the scenes shots, <laughs> was like a lot of stuff there. The one I loved that you did recently was with the the skittles, the little video you did where you like throw them and like that was really cool. The behind the scene of this one was so cool. So cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And that was a bit different. Um. I think that's one of the things about what I do is obviously being called Paper Boyo. I always feel like paper has to be an ingredient somewhere in the content. Mm. And um, yeah, the Skittles one is one of those ones that you know, sort of a slight pivot away from what I normally do because of lockdown. Um, so I was, I was a bit nervous about how it would go down. I did sneak in a paper cutout in there, but it's yeah. not really like a main part of the content. And... Yeah, I was a bit nervous about how it would be received, but no, that one went down well. So that sort of gave me a bit of confidence to stray away a little bit from the paper stuff. Not too much, but, you know, uh, so long as it's still entertaining and surprising and kind of got all of the ingredients of what I normally do, then, yeah. So hopefully in 2021, that's going to be a bit more, you know, until I can start traveling again. No, but what's, what's cool about it, and I think I messaged you about that actually, is that seeing the behind the scene is showing how much work uh it takes like this this clip was what like 10 seconds maybe it was super quick it was a real Mm, 10 15 seconds but i mean to hang like all the skittles one by one and i mean it must have take like i don't know how many hours to do it so it's really interesting to show that it's actually more than just you know taking a snap and that's it yeah no i felt like a madman setting that one up because i had the skittles here and i was super gluing bits of fishing wire to each skittle and then yeah hanging them up and i was just thinking to myself if this doesn't work this is an epic waste of time (laughs) but yeah fortunately it all came together um so to go back to my other question before uh yeah how how did you get into getting paid for that because um i mean there's one thing of just having fun and posting on instagram and i mean making enough money to obviously be able to quit your job uh mm-hmm. it took a while and like yeah. you said it was a slide it, it, it took a little bit um but did did you like was that something that you had in mind or it just came organically and naturally because people reached out how yeah so it was not something i had in mind because it was i think it was just kind of before the whole world of the influencer and digital marketing kind of existed it was just before that time so i didn't get into doing it with any ambitions of making money from it because i just didn't know it was possible to do that you know now when someone starts an instagram account or a tiktok account now i feel like even if they can't help it there's going to be that little bit of like oh if this works out well this could become you know i yeah. could make money from this definitely which isn't you know, obviously that's a great thing but i think if you go into it with that ambition it's not quite the right way to do it and so yeah i'm i'm fortunate in the sense of like i had the only thing that was driving me to do it was just because it was something i loved and i thought it'd be really fun to do and um the way that i found out that you could make money from it was that i did something for um so there's a part of london called covent garden and it was christmas 20 
2015, yeah, Christmas 2015, and they asked me to go and take some photos um, with the Christmas decorations, and I was like, great, yeah, I'd love to. And then just, I had, you know, work got kind of busy, I think I had a few other bits and bobs going on in December, so I had to turn around and say to Covent Garden, oh, I'm really sorry, I won't be able to do this, I just don't have the time. And then they said, oh, how about if we pay you? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, suddenly I can find the time. Yeah, I, I've got time. And I just, I didn't realise that, you know, there were brands and companies who would pay for it. And like, you know, they didn't pay much, but it was, it just kind of made me realise that there was some value to doing what I do, uh, you know, some commercial value, I mean. And so it kind of went from there that, that any time a brand or company approached me after that, I would have the guts to say, yeah, I'll do it, but, you know, here's my, here's a fee for, for it. And um, it, just it was a slow process of you know learning to get the guts to ask for some money and to prove my commercial value and all of that sort of thing and um i think i did it for about a year a year and a half on my own and then i got an agent in at one point because um i was just like well i'd had a by that point i had a couple of friends who were creators and they had agents as well and i I could just see how useful it was to have an agent when you get to a certain point at this so um, yeah i took an agent on which basically meant I didn't have to worry about all of the negotiations and talking right. about money, which was never like the side of it I enjoyed at all, and yeah. uh, invoices and all of that. So it took away a lot of the admin work for me, which was which was brilliant. But yeah, in terms of how do you actually make money from it, I think it's um, having a bit of a niche style has definitely helped for me. Obviously, it's meant that I've got my own sort of corner of the playground to play in and create content that no one else is really doing. And it's also what I do is so adaptable to so many different brands and styles, like the Skittles one we, we mentioned. Um, but then I do stuff for Microsoft Surface and I do tourism board stuff. And But it, it's all really different content, but it's all, you can tell that it's my content because it's got my signature style in it. So yeah. I never really, or hopefully, I never really lose my signature style. So therefore, hopefully none of my stuff really looks too much like an advert or a sponsor piece and i think that's also part of the secret to it is that you know so long as you're not spamming your audience with um all of these obvious looking ads yeah so long as you can do it in a way that's entertaining and still brings value to your audience so that they actually enjoy watching it and looking at it so um yeah that's that's never something like as i say never something that i sat down and thought right how can i cleverly do this so that yeah. i can make money from it yeah. it was just sort of a process of learning it slowly um as i went along really so you said there that you're the only one kind of doing this kind of thing have you seen people trying to copycat and try and do the same thing and if you have how was that <laughs> yeah no so i have and there's um i mean actually yeah now there's a couple of people i could i could point to who they've taken it off in their own direction which is cool so i don't really feel like maybe they had seen my stuff i don't know but what they're doing now is a little bit different but there's certainly um been some people who yeah um there's one guy in particular who when i saw his stuff i was just it it was just kind of annoying basically it was just a shame because he'd also stolen like some of the ideas as well it wasn't that he was just holding up black bits of paper in different locations he'd literally lifted some of my ideas and done them in his own way um but i mean then i think um i just used it as fodder to then go off and make more stuff and you know sort of try and up my own game and uh you know keep on doing what i do but try and do it better um that said i do love it though when i see um 
like I, I get a lot of art teachers and uh, art students who ask me for advice or ideas oh. and things like that and I love it when I see people you know imitating my stuff for that purpose and, and, yeah. and in that way so especially during lockdown I had a lot of art teachers ask me if I could um do you know do little videos for the class because obviously everyone's doing virtual learning and doing stuff at home so uh, I really enjoyed seeing uh, children's and art students interpretations of my art <laughs> um, cool. over the last year or so yeah it's been really cool seeing that it's also been a bit intimidating when like a, a 12 year old kid comes up with an amazing idea uh, you know that they've like, done at home it. Like, okay, wow <laughs> yeah kind of it's like i really want to nick that idea actually <laughs> it's funny when you're saying about like you know people stealing your ideas it's kind of what is it like copying is the best form of flattery or whatever like it's you know it must be nice that you're inspiring people but also it's kind of like okay but please don't steal my work yeah of course I mean but I've got no right to be angry about it because the whole you know art is all about stealing other people's art and then just the thing is like everyone imitates each other when it comes to art which is great you know I'm sure most painters were inspired by the painters before them but it's then a case of evolving your own style so it's fine if someone copies you but if they then turn that into their own style and it evolves into you know something that is not so much identifiable back to you know what I was doing and that's cool mm. but yeah this guy that I mentioned earlier was just what he all he was doing was just like lifting exactly what I was doing so that's yeah. why that one was a bit annoying <laughs> the thing is with things like that like he's never going to get anywhere because it's not his ideas and his yeah. passion and his whatever so if, you know, if a company reaches out to him and says hey can you do this he'll be like oh no actually because I just copied from Paper Boyo I don't have my own imagination so he's never going to get anywhere anyway yeah. so we just kind of think well let them do it for six months or whatever and then it's not going to last yeah it's going back to that whole passion and yeah having a love for it because that's yeah that's that's absolutely the, the uh, secret to what I do yeah well and that's that's true I think for any creative things that people can do I remember actually we talked about that for you for your dog photography oh, at yeah. one point like some, someone in Miami started to do like the same thing than she was doing like the same style and for like a tiny bit cheaper yeah for, I don't know it was like just you like, could see the the whole thing was, was like, really oh. inspired like by by her work and it was like it won't last because they don't care like no like, and, and it's frustrating and, though you're just like oh my because I, I had well this is this is about you but I'll tell you a quick story so we'd had like a business meeting with them about me being their like in-house photographer for this dog because I'm a dog photographer for their dog training company and then so I talked to them about my pricing and what I do and how long it takes and the photographs they get and how I edit and all this kind of information and they were like yeah we'll get back to you I didn't hear from them for about a month and then it was like hi so we're now doing dog photo shoots and had basically the same photographs as me for about five or ten dollars less yeah. and include an extra photograph and I was like you little fuckers like <laughs> you just got all the information <laughs> from me and then I don't know if they're still doing it now that's no, the thing but that, like, that's, that's what I mean like, like I don't think they took any clients from you or maybe one or two but you know yeah. like but it's it didn't so change your business so oh. because because they didn't care about it because they didn't come up with anything just they, they weren't passionate about yeah. it so. so yeah but I think like like you know moments like that I don't want to call that a mistake as such but you know lessons like that shall we say are so valuable (laughs) (laughs) there's been like there's been so many (laughs) well yeah I mean yeah you learn from it and then you sort of realize what you can and can't do and I think that's going back to what I was saying about making money from it as well like there were moments where like there was definitely times when I undercharged myself 
or didn't even charge a company when I did stuff for them as well. And it's just so long as you can, you know, take some sort of lesson from that and then look back on that uh, a while later and be like, you know, in a way, I'm I'm glad that happened because um, it taught me to then be a bit more careful about, you know, what I give away and what I don't give away and that sort of thing. So, yeah, uh, but I think this is all part of, you know, the whole what makes freelancing, self-employment, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship <laughs> um, interesting and exciting is that, yeah, like everyone makes a ton of these mistakes, but you actually get the opportunity yeah. to learn from these mistakes and uh, and uh, improve improve things going forward. That's certainly like one of the things that I've, you know, I, I, over five or six years, I've made so many mistakes. I, I nearly got sued at one point as well because I, I didn't realize this, but I signed over the copyright of some of my photos to one of my brands, uh, one of my clients. And when I had my book published, I put the photos in the book because I just like, oh, they're my photos. Mm. And then I got uh, I got the worst email I've ever had where it was um, the subject line was something along the lines of copyright infringement, potential lawsuit or something like that. You know, one of those ones where you just like, you don't yeah. want to get an email like that. <laughs> and obviously at the time it was rough and, you know, managed to, you know, fi- sort it all out and fix it. But it's again it's taught me to make sure i always read the contracts even though i've got an agent now I'll, I'll always still make sure i read the contracts and stuff like that and yeah so that, that's sort of the realistic side of you know going freelance and all that it can look cool and it is cool like there's so many good sides to it but yeah there's a lot of um things that you have to learn along the way <laughs> yeah where so we talked a little bit about hong kong and um dubai where have been your favorite places you've been because of this um Tokyo was brilliant. I had 10 days in Tokyo and I feel like I barely scratched the surface of it. It's a vast, amazing, diverse city. And yeah, I had 10 days but I really feel like I and I didn't even, you know, I I was just in Tokyo. I didn't even go to Osaka. I didn't go anywhere else. I just had Tokyo. Um and I yeah, I'll definitely go back and hopefully if I can. I, I really want to be there for the Olympics this year. So um, hopefully try and make that happen. Mm-hmm. And then um, where are Oh, I managed to get to Easter Island, which is somewhere I'd always oh. wanted to go to. Oh. So I, I remember seeing like the Maui heads in textbooks at school and always being really fascinated by the idea of an island in the middle of nowhere with you know, a small population. So I had a project in Brazil um, with Club Med. And I was in Brazil, I was like, you know what, this is close enough. So then I booked a ticket to Santiago and then flew from Santiago to uh, uh, Easter Island, which was like, just it cost an absolute fortune. <laughs> but I was just like, I felt like I was close, you know, being in yeah. Brazil is closer yeah. to Easter Island than being in Britain. So I, I went right. And I'm, I'm really glad I did. It was, um, yeah, it was just as magical and interesting and, uh, yeah, just mysterious, such a mysterious and brilliant island. So I had a really good time out there. Yeah. So I'd say those two places. And where are some places that are still on your list of where you would love to go? Um, so I've never done Cape Town or Johannesburg. So basically South Africa would be mm. somewhere I'd be really interested in. I'd also, the only continent I haven't done is Antarctica. So I'd love to do something down there. You know, going to South Georgia where the old whale bases are and where Shackleton's buried would be a really cool thing to do. And then... Yeah, potentially one of those um, sort of environmentally friendly cruises that they do down there um, mm. would be cool. Um, and then where are, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in Europe I haven't done. In terms of architecture, obviously architecture is like a big factor of what I do. 
and yeah. there's places in Holland and Sweden and just all over Scandinavia basically that I haven't done at all so yeah that would be something that um, hopefully I can do this year mm. hopefully come on <laughs> Corona get, get going we've had enough of you some point <laughs> yeah exactly oh. <laughs> talking about that uh, obviously like Covid impacted you how much how, how often do you travel usually like because so I'm thanks normally to I'm normally, I'd say, I like if you added it all up, it wouldn't be far off half the year of me being mm-hmm. away traveling and doing, okay. you know, being away doing this stuff um, in in pre in normal years, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Obviously, this last year that hasn't been the case at all. But yeah, oh uh, yeah, normally okay, so I'm away quite a lot. lot. I mean, yeah, quite a big big chunk. Okay, um, so obviously, yeah, COVID affected you and your business, like you as a person, but also you as a business uh, an entrepreneur. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that you've been able to adjust and adapt and, and, and still find your, find your way to stay creative for your own sake. <laughs> for a start, but yeah. Also to yeah. I mean, in a way, and I know a lot of people have said this and it sounds a bit of a cliche now, but when the first lockdown happened, it was a nice moment to just sort of slow down for a bit of time because I suppose at the time we all thought it would only last sort of a few weeks and then yeah. <laughs> be back to normal. So, um, yeah. And then after that, I was just like, oh, you know what? I, I just want to get back to making something and doing something. And and in a way, not having any clients was kind of nice because then I could just make stuff that I really wanted to make around the house. So I did like a, a little at home series based on movie scenes and movie characters oh, yeah. I remember and that, that went down quite nicely yeah and i was glad i was glad to see that went down and i really enjoyed it it was just like i i sort of fell back in love with doing content just for the sake of doing content not for the sake of making money or promoting something mm. and um then fortunately that brought up um opportunities with it you know brands had seen me do that and they wanted me to do other bits and bobs for them and then i also just Obviously, when it did start to lift a little bit, I could travel a bit more around the UK and uh, in London. So I made some content around you know, a bit more locally. Scotland, no, as well for like a road trip. Oh yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, had a quick um, uh, road trip to Scotland, which is cool, but um, a bit rushed. I definitely, uh, <laughs> I, I want to do Scotland again, but a bit slower. And um, so yeah, no opportunities fortunately came up, and then uh, uh, sort of like a lot of travel photographers, uh, I did a print store this year as well. You know, selling 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 some of my prints, which quite rightly I've seen you know a lot of travel photographers do this year because it, it makes perfect sense to um, have that as a sort of extra source of income. Yeah, yeah, and that was the timing was good as well because you launched like just before Christmas, like a month before, three weeks before. Right? Yeah, yeah, I had I had honestly meant it, meant to launch a bit sooner, but. I just because I with my print store I didn't want to just do it through like a a big company I wanted to do it independently so it was very much putting together like a small team Mm. who could do it but then at the same time I didn't have to I you know I didn't want to do it in a way that I had to go to the post office every day and post (laughs) so it was just sort of figuring out that process and uh yeah so no I'm I'm really glad that I did it but yeah I'm glad that I did it in a sort of small independent scale Mm -hmm. as well yeah that's awesome yeah, no, I've seen the, the the stuff you've been doing during quarantine. Yeah, like with some Nespresso, like a boxer with like a Nespresso capsules and like a watch playing a guitar. Like you had a bunch of cool things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, they, no, they've all been fun to do, and it's it's been fun to sort of um 
play on a smaller scale because obviously if I'm playing with buildings and architecture, oh, yeah. it's playing oh, yeah. with depth of field and playing with much bigger things. So to bring it indoors and bring it on a much smaller scale, mm. it's been, um, you know, there's a few sort of photography techniques I've had to adjust and it's also just been a bit of a different way of looking at things. It's also meant I've had to do a fair bit of like art direction around the apartment so that <laughs> my apartment looks a little bit different and nice <laughs> in each photo rather than it just sort of being the same scene. So yeah, it's sort of yeah. there's a few new skills yeah. I've learned. <laughs> and and you've been doing more and more animation. I mean that's what you did for Will Smith for example. That was like a little clip, animation clip. Uh but you're leaning towards video a bit more than photography. Yeah, I think um, part of that's like just finding a way of evolving a style. Obviously, um, as I say, I've sort of been doing the photography stuff for five years. Uh, so anyone who's followed me from the start, I think they deserve to see some sort of evolution, some difference in my style. So yeah, a- animation something I'm doing. A bit more video stuff, um, sort of, you know, video edits. And then obviously now that we've got reels on instagram sort of trying to figure out a way of using reels to show my behind the scenes process and sort of then build up to that reveal of the final photo as well something else i'm yeah, working on as well at the moment yeah um i'm sure you have a lot of like fun stories in terms of like thing going wrong like i don't know like holding a piece of paper and the wind blowing it away i don't know like oh because, I mean, you're weather dependent. Like, you can do whatever you want. You can prepare as much as you want. But if it's raining for a week, like, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of times when it goes wrong for so many reasons as well. Yeah, sometimes it's... Um, usually it's wind. Yeah, wind is a bigger uh, sort of nemesis of mine when it comes to locations. <laughs> or just England. like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, or just like grey skies. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, a part of... Um, it is well a lot of it is just patience like something i've learned with wind is that it's never constant there's always a little bit of a break in the wind so as long as you're patient you'll eventually get like a moment where you can hold the cutout without it uh, flapping around too much uh the same goes with um like gray skies and weather as well like there's there's often like at some point there'll be a blue sky gap uh, or you know something you can play around with so um yeah i think patience and perseverance is again any photographer will say is sort of the secret to to doing it i'm trying to think of like major things that have gone wrong um <laughs> there've definitely been times when like i was doing a photograph um where i walked into a fountain and i didn't realize the fountain was on and then the fountain went <laughs> off and i got soaked in it <laughs> and i've even got like the uh, behind the scenes shot of where like you just see like water on the lens and it's just a blur <laughs> so there's that there's um there's been a couple of times when I feel like I've nearly fell off like a cliff a cliff edge or like a steep drop or something. Um, I mean, that was sort of in the early days when I sort of I feel like I'm a lot more careful about that now. <laughs> um, where else? Oh, I definitely had some sketchy moments in Iceland. Well, I went to Iceland during winter mm. two or three years ago. And I mean, it's called Iceland for a very good reason. And so I was just like slipping and sliding all over <laughs> the place uh, near some of the waterfalls. Um, fortunately, yeah, no, fortunately, I haven't had any horror stories from it, but yeah, definitely <laughs> frustrating moments with the wind and weather, weather in some sort of form, yeah. And actually, do you make multiple examples of the same cut just in case one of them like blew away or? 
I, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did you know that? I don't think I told you. About that. <laughs> I yeah. just thought about no, it. That's, um, that's so true. <laughs> if there's an idea that I really, really like, and I think it's going to be a really good photo, then it's kind of just like a superstition of mine is that I will make a duplicate cutout of it, um, just in case. For example, if I were to then you know hold out the cutout and then I don't know a bird came along and just sort of picked it out of my hand and flew off, or or there was a I gust of wind say or something. On it. <laughs> Or, or even that. Fortunately, that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll sometimes make a duplicate cutout if it's a design that isn't too, too complicated. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's funny that you mentioned that because yeah, no, that is something I do do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can imagine like because you're just holding the paper like that, and I mean, you can easily like just <laughs> blown away. Yeah, no, there's definitely been times when it's because I basically I store them in a notepad, so it's not even like a very mm. sort of professional way of storing them. But yeah, if if it's windy, then the notepad could easily sort of yeah. fly open, and then all my cutouts could go flying okay, off in maybe any, any direction. You need to get some sort of plastic <laughs> folder where they're all safe and can't just blow. I know it hasn't happened yet, but let's just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that in 2020 uh, that didn't happen because everything else went wrong in 2020. Yeah. So, yeah, the one yeah. thing that didn't was that my cutouts didn't fly off. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are the... Obviously, like, I mean, with COVID, it's hard to make any plan. I know that, but... Uh, what are your, like, big... Not goals, but, like, the the things you have in mind that are exciting you about, like things you would like to do, things you would like to try out, like new techniques. Um, I don't know, like what, what? how do you see things going? I am honestly just excited about any form of traveling again. Like just being able to go to Paris for the weekend would be like an epic trip for me at the moment. Like that's yeah. how much I'm, I mean, I love Paris obviously, but I know that's how much I'm missing traveling. It's just even like a couple of days somewhere would be um, all that I want at the moment. So um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting back out and doing what I do with the paper cutouts and with the traveling. That would be great. And then if I were there to dream any more than that, then this year, as I mentioned, the Olympics. So that would be really cool to be at, back in Tokyo. And ideally to do some like Olympic content would be, you know, amazing. Like doing a hurdler, yeah. jumping over Tokyo or something like that would be so much fun. Mm. And then I'm sure you uh, could find a way to play with the Olympic rings. Like you could come up with something. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> doing some stuff with the Olympic rings. And um, yeah, I think there'd be, yeah, there's so much stuff I could do there, which would be great. And then the Euros, the football Euros are on, oh, yeah. well, are meant oh, to be yeah. on this year around Europe. So that would be, that would be really cool to be involved with in some way or just to, you know, go to some of the locations that the football games are going to be at so yeah some of the sports stuff would be great um and then yeah in terms of like yeah i think some more video content some more hopefully some more behind the scenes content and just showing showing a bit more of the journey and the process and all of the yeah the behind the scenes stuff the stuff that goes wrong i I think i'm quite open to sharing some more of the uh mistakes and errors and stuff like that so yeah just uh to be honest just getting back to creating is it's basically what i'm looking forward to yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, sorry there's a really loud drill on behind me at the moment. i think my neighbors are doing some my neighbors are doing some building work i feel like everyone's at home doing home improvements yeah. so you always get like banging and drilling and all sorts yeah, but we're used to it, hey, but. exactly that and like the street in front of me is just full of scaffolding at the moment because i think everyone's like yeah replacing the windows or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> bloody covid 
anyway it has been so so nice talking to you and kind of hearing about the process behind it and your dreams and where you've been and yeah it's been yeah, have you enjoyed amazing. it yeah no yeah. it's been interesting to learn about your creative process as well and see how you come up with things and 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 see how you you became pepper boyo in a sense like <laughs> oh thanks no it's been really yeah. nice to talk i really enjoyed talking about it because there are there's a few things where i sort of yeah i didn't realize the, you know so it's the whole connecting dots thing you know you can't do it until yeah. you start looking backwards so mm. there's a few moments where i'm just like oh well yeah that's that's what led on to that so yeah from a massive ego point of view i really enjoy it but no it's been, <laughs> it's been really great chatting to you guys as, as well <laughs> I've got one last one last question for you. Um, it's something we try to ask at the end of each episode when I remember. <laughs> um, if you could have a chat with someone uh, dead or alive that you think is like the most interesting person ever for you in your eyes, uh, it could be your grandmother or someone famous, like anyone, like who would you pick and why? Wow. Okay, you really hit me with a deep question. <laughs> um, I okay, this is going to sound a little bit wanky, but I've just been reading a biography I've not about heard the Leonardo. word wank in such a long time. That's such an English thing to say. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, oh, I okay. thought you were going to tell me off for like using no, that word. No, okay, no. great. Swear yeah. as much as you want. Please say all of the, the English ones. I've not heard them in forever. Wank, 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 wank. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. Anyway, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but yeah, no, I've been reading a book, uh, like a biography of Leonardo da Vinci. I nearly said DiCaprio. Da Vinci. Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci. And um, it's just all about his designs and his creations and his life. And um, uh, I mean, I know obviously everyone refers to him as a genius, but when I was like, because this book actually has like illustrations of like his helicopter designs and stuff like that. It's amazing that he was coming up with all of those ideas back then. And... Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go for a really high class wanky answer and say Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci. <laughs> everyone says that his book is amazing. Actually, I haven't read it yet, but everyone says it's amazing. Oh right, the only one I've read is um, it's like yeah, a biography of his. I'm, I'm sure there's like hundreds, hundreds of books about him. So yeah, I might, I might have to uh, go look, go look in into what yeah, al- what other books bu- are yeah, about him. But yeah, I think it's the one by Walter, the guy you wrote. Steve Jobs, uh, Steve Jobs biography. Uh, it's the same guy. Apparently, it's an amazing book. Uh, everyone talks about it. Yeah, I've got it in my Kindle as well. I need to read it. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, I'll go and, yeah. I'll go and hunt that one down after this one. Oh, nice. <laughs> Thanks. Well, thank you so much for being on the episode again. We've really enjoyed it. Um, thank you everybody for listening we really hope you enjoyed it if you did make sure you share it with somebody who might be interested make sure you follow paperboyo on instagram we'll leave all the links obviously in the description box and if you enjoyed it leave us a review that's also nice um anything else see you next wednesday i guess yeah and if you want any prints uh hit to paperboyo.com uh you're shipping pretty much everywhere now right right? yeah pretty Pretty much. much so europe canada and u.s and then hopefully going to be further abroad soon. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah we're getting cool. there. So I will link everything in the, in the show notes so people can get in touch with you or purchase any prints that they like. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. I loved it actually. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week, guy. Bye.